Reminder, this book, it's so beautiful. It come, in the first chapter, it comes with a blessing. For all those who read this book, who hear this book, and put this book into practice, the promise is you will be blessed. And so I don't know about you, I've been blessed so far, amazingly, radically. And so God attaches a blessing to studying this book. And we're going to get into some heavy stuff the next few weeks that for, it's, it's, some of it's hard to understand. And yet I, I believe personally God has given us this book that we might study it, that we might learn it, that we might come to know Jesus. It's called the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling, the uncovering of Jesus. He's given it to us that, that we might see Jesus in a fresh way and in a new way and in a wonderful way and give him thanks, give him praise and walk tenderly before him each day as we follow him. And remember where we are in our study. We are looking at future events, correct? We're looking at future events. Chapter 4 all the way to chapter 22 is in the future. Remember in chapter 4 and chapter 5, before the tribulation period, we see John is transported into heaven, transferred into heaven, and there he is. He's in the throne room. We just sang about the Father's house, right? He's in the Father's house, this great temple in heaven. He gets transported there, and the first thing he sees is a throne. And then he's blown away by the colors and the, and the sounds and the angelic beings, and right in the midst of it all is the church, the bride of Christ, redeemed and crowned, glorious. I believe, why aren't we there before the tribulation? Because Jesus is coming for us. The rapture of the church before tribulation is poured out, which we see in chapters 6 through 19, the seven-year period known as the tribulation, which is also future events also. And remember back in chapter 5, Jesus went to the Father and he took, what did he take from him? The scroll, which has how many seals? Seven seals, right? Jesus is the only one worthy. He's the only one who has authority to take that scroll from the Father, which I believe is a title deed to planet Earth. Why is he worthy? Because he gave his life. He's the one who gave his life, his precious blood, to redeem not only the world, but to redeem you and I as well. And so Jesus took the scroll and all heaven erupted, right? Joyous praise. And there's joyous, exuberant praise going on 24-7. Actually, there's no, they're out, outside of time. So just going on continuously. Worship going on in heaven, right? It erupts at different times and in different ways. But all heaven erupted. And these glorious songs are, are being sung. And then we got to chapter 6. You guys remember that? You all remember chapter 6? Jesus began to open the seven seals. And he opened six of them. And we saw what will happen on planet Earth during that time, the introduction of the Antichrist and people killing one another and famine and, and all the consequences of, of man's rebellion against God and sin, right? We see the, the consequences of the wealthy and the poor. There's this huge gap and the economy tanking and just a crazy, brutal time on planet Earth. And we also see there's people in heaven that get saved. In fact, we saw that in chapter 7. We move forward into chapter 7. And so uh, there's this parenthetical break. As the seals were being opened, we got to the sixth seal. And then there was a pause, a, a, a parenthesis, if you will, where we are given more information concerning this time period. And what God wants us to know is that there's going to be people that are saved during the tribulation period. 
Good news, isn't it? In the worst period of time on planet Earth, in God's wrath being poured out, in God's wrath, he remembers mercy. That's amazing. And we saw two groups of saints, didn't we? The 144,000 Jewish evangelists that God will raise up during that time period with special protection to minister until he calls them home. And then we see multitudes of people from every tribe, nation, tongue, all different ethnic groups saved by the blood of the Lamb in heaven. Glorious. And now we get to chapter 8. You guys ready for chapter 8? Chapter 8, Jesus opens the seventh seal, um, which, which I just want to remind us, the seven, when the seventh seal is opened, it, na- it will kick off seven what? Seven trumpet judgments. At the seventh trumpet, it kicks off what? The seven bowls, bowls of judgment. And it, it does seem to me that the judgments are chronological and not simultaneous or all at once. In fact, I think that's important. Why do I think that's important? Because we see that, that God's wrath is incremental. It's not all one big blast. God is long-suffering. The Bible says, we learn something about God's heart, is that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Sadly, not everyone will repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but God's heart is what? He does not delight in the death of the wicked, Ezekiel 33. He wants everybody to be in his house, in the Father's house. And so let's begin chapter 8, verse 1, God's word. What does it say, gang? When he opened the seventh seal, who's he? Jesus. When Jesus opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And so I want to stop right there and draw our attention back to verse 1. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, opens that first seal. And what's interesting to me is, John says there was silence in heaven for how long? About how long? Half an hour. Are there clocks in heaven? Apple, he's his Apple Watch, he's checking out his time. Again, he's trying to do the best he can to describe what he's seeing and hearing, but this silence, when's the last time you've been in silence for half an hour? No sounds whatsoever. This is, this is something out of the ordinary. This is something uh, um, remarkable, if you will. In fact, think about it with me again. We were reminded earlier that all of heaven is praising the Lord continually. There's continual praise going on. Everybody blown away by how great and how awesome God is. And all of that, uh, 
comes to a screeching halt right now at this point. All the joyous praise and worship stops. Complete silence. I believe, and this is my own opinion, I believe it's a somber silence. Probably because of the severity of what is going to come next. In fact, any expression of the judgment of God is sobering. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's sobering. It's like, whoa, man. Look what God has allowed to happen. And listen, God's righteous judgment is coming. And I think, this is my own personal opinion, I look at this scene, and there's this, the seal is open now, and it's totally silent. Something happened in heaven that caused the worship just to stop. And I think, I think, this is my own opinion, I think the, the Father's heart is broken for what's about to happen next. What's going to happen with his creation? The people he loves, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whomsoever believes in him shall never perish, but have everlasting life. There's going to be a lot of people that perish. There's going to be a lot of people that leave planet Earth apart from him. And he does everything he can. He stacks the deck in his favor that we would all come to know him. We're going to learn about that tonight in the book of Acts, chapter 17. God has pre-appointed our times and our boundaries that we might come to know him. Where you were born and when you were born, all the things in our lives, the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. God has given us a witness with creation and a conscience and people also faithful Christians coming alongside us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And there's people that are going to reject that and continue to walk in darkness and say, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. Get away from me with the Bible. So dug in, in the midst of tribulation hitting them and them recognizing they're so dug in and they recognize this is God's wrath. This is God. We brought this. We've, we've invited God's wrath and we're not going to change. We're going to keep doing. Why? Because men love darkness rather than light. And the Lord continues to shine his light into their hearts. And so there's silence in heaven. And look at verse 2 with me. It says, John saw a special group of angels. And notice they occupy this privileged place right at the throne of God. And they stand right in his presence. Um, it's interesting because one of them may be Gabriel. If you're taking notes, Luke 1, 19. Gabriel said he stood in the presence of God. In any event, they were given, what did they receive? Trumpets. Each, each angel, each of the seven, received a trumpet. And you guys know, you've studied your Bibles. In the Old Testament, what were trumpets used for? They were used for war, that's right, in war, to direct the troops, to muster the troops together, to go into battle. They were used at the feasts also, celebration time. They were used in many different arenas and avenues in the culture under the Old Testament economy. And so public assemblies, important calendar events, and now these, these the trumpets are given to them. And then look, so, look, something happens though besides the trumpets being given. Look at verse 3 and 4. John sees something else. He sees another angel, and that word another means another of the same kind. And I'm bringing that up, another of the same kind, and it's in relation to the seven angels. Why am I bringing that up? Because some people say this is Jesus. I'm like, what? First of all, just a little, dig a little deeper into the Greek, and it's speaking about another angel like the seven, but Jesus is the one opening what? 
He's the one opening the scroll, opening the seals. And so, in any event, this angel cruises on up to the altar. What's he holding? A gold censer. And so that tells us a couple things. In heaven, there's an altar. Seven times in the book of Revelation, this altar, this golden altar is mentioned. Um, And remember with me, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle um, and the temple um, and all of the instruments that were involved in the worship of God, they were in miniature of what's going on in heaven. In other words, they're... Hebrews chapter 9, you can look at it late, look it up later. So that whole scene in the Old Testament was picturing something way bigger in heaven. In fact, we learned last week, heaven is described as a temple also. And now we see a censer and an altar. What's a censer? Is that the thing in your car, the dash, that tells you? Is that we're talking about here? What is a censer? Some of you guys come from churches where the guy, the priest, would come up and have the censer. It would sw- he would swing it. You guys remember that? I don't know if he did he swing it. I can't remember. And the, the, the smoke would arise and would fill the place, right? And it sticks to your clothes. And You guys remember that? Anybody remember that? Some of you all remember that? Well, it's a box, kind of like an urn, and it has holes on top. And you open it up and you take a piece of charcoal, you put it inside, sometimes you crush it up a little bit, then you get the incense and you put it on top of the fire, on top of the charcoal, close the lid, and then what happens? The smoke starts to come out and it starts to smell great. Remember the priests, they would do that in the Old Testament. Morning and evening, they would do that. They'd bring the incense offering, and it would fill up the tabernacle or the temple, and it was a pleasing aroma to God. It's a picture of our prayers to God. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Anybody here burn incense? Nobody wants to admit it. I still do. A lot of different reasons now, though. But you, you, you burn incense, and, and what does it do? It fills up the whole room, it attaches to your clothes, and it smells great. And isn't that a great picture of prayer? Our prayer, do you know that your prayers matter? We're gonna, we see that in these verses, that God hears our prayers, he keeps our prayers, our prayers are on record in heaven, and they rise up, right? They rise up, and they go through the universe, they get to the Father's house, right to the heart of the Father, and they attach themselves to him. That's amazing, and it's beautiful to him. I mean, think about it. Parents, don't you love the voices of your kids? My girls just came back from college. I love hearing their little voices, looking into their little faces and hearing them talk to me, and oh, yeah, it's glorious. And so, listen, our Heavenly Father loves to hear from us, and we see that here. And so this angel grabs grabs the censer. He's given much incense. Look at the rest of that verse that he should offer the incense with what? With the prayers of all the saints. Who are the saints? Believers. All the saints. That would include you and I, by the way. The prayers of all the saints. Or is that some super spiritual Christians? That's all of us, isn't it? All this all means all. And that's all it all means. It means all of us, all the saints. It's collected together, all these prayers and it was to be offered, it's an offering on the golden altar. And so at verse 4, we see it. The offering's made, and what does the smoke do? It arises before the Lord. 
And again, two times we're reminded it's the prayers of the saints. Which prayers? Which prayers are we talking about here? All of our prayers. I would say there are a few specific prayers too. Remember the Our Father? Remember that? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know when we're praying that, we're praying, Lord, bring your kingdom. Come set up your kingdom. Revelation 19, second coming of Jesus Christ. Your kingdom come. Lord, we've made a mess of this planet. We've demonstrated we can't rule ourselves. Look where our wisdom has got us. Look where our selfishness and pride has got us. God, we need you to rule and set up your kingdom. Your kingdom come. Or maybe perhaps those prayers, the times we looked and thought, or even said, when is evil going to be over? I, I think about this week with the school at Uvalde. Anybody pray? It's like, God, I can't imagine as a parent. Those kids that went through that, that survived. God, when are you gonna, when's the evil going to stop? When are you going to put an end to this? We see the, the prayer of the saints earlier in chapter 6. Lord, when are you going to take vengeance? Lord, when are you going to, when are you going to, when are you going to avenge our blood? And listen God, listen, God is going to right every wrong in his perfect timing and in his perfect way. And no one's going to say he's unjust or not good. Everything he does is righteous and true and right on. And so we rest in that. We say, Father, your will be done. Your choice. You do it your way. But those prayers matter. They mean something. They are significant to God. And so look at verse 5 with me. In heaven, before the throne, the angel took the censer. And what does he do next? He filled it with fire from the golden altar and tosses it to planet Earth. And what's the results? Thunder, noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. And so the sights and sounds of heaven now come to Earth. Because we learned earlier in chapter 4 that around the throne, there's noises, lightnings, thunderings, but now those sights and sounds and an earthquake have come to earth. Wow. And earthquakes are attention getters, aren't they, gang? If you've ever been in an earthquake, some of you been in an earthquake? Anybody been in an earthquake here? It's an attention getter. It is a wake-up call. You have no control at all. That's the weird thing. Because you're like, and stuff, your, your stuff swaying, your house is swaying, you're going, What? This is like out of your, you have no control. And so you think about what's happening here. All of a sudden, after the silence, after the prayers go up, now the fire comes down and it's loud. And there's lightnings and there's thunderings and there's an earthquake. And I would say also, by the way, the prayers of God's people are not only significant to God, but also they have an impact on the fulfillment of his purposes and plans in heaven and on earth. So awesome. The silence of God doesn't mean he doesn't hear your prayers. He is patient. Aren't you glad he's patient, by the way? Anybody glad he's patient, by the way? <laughs> that he's long-suffering. That he gives us time to repent. 
And there are some people that, you know, God is so good and so good, and their life is like things are going great, but they're involved in something they shouldn't be involved in. And they're thinking, I'm good with God. Look how blessed I am. Look at my bank account. Look at my house. Look at my car. Look at the stuff I got. Man, I'm living the good life. I'm, man. And the thing is, God is not giving approval to your sin. He's giving you time to repent. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. Don't mistake his patience for for his endorsement on what you're doing. It's a call to repentance. This is a call to repentance. God is reaching out. In his wrath, he remembers mercy. We see here. And so verse 6, we see the seven angels. What do they do? It says they prepared. I was about to read chapter 6. I've got to flip the page. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded. And what happened? And hail and fire followed mingled with blood and they were thrown to the earth and a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up then the second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed and then the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water the name of the star is wormwood a third of the waters became wormwood and many men died from the water because it was made bitter then the fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun was struck a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of them were darkened a third of the day did not shine and likewise the night and i looked And I heard an angel flying through the mist of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So we're introduced to four trumpet judgments. There's three more to come afterwards. The first four affect uh, affect the economy, affect the landscape, um, the last three will affect men uh, personally, things that are going to happen to them. And it's horrific to consider what's going to happen. As God kind of takes his hand off everything, he allows judgment to come. And so the first four judgments, I don't know about you, don't they resemble the plagues of Egypt? You guys remember how many were there? Ten plagues in Egypt, right? They rese- remember the Egyptians, what they were worshiping? Those plagues were intended to be a wake-up call to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. What do they worship? They worship the sun, the moon, the stars, their critters, their animals, the Nile River, all of creation. And people worship creation today too, don't they? All around us, there's idolatry. Rather than worshiping the creator who is blessed forever, we worship something of that's of... It's worthless. Things that are going to burn. Guys, things are going to burn. Do you guys recognize on planet Earth it's going to burn? We just got done. Second Peter, 7 a.m. service. We're going to start First Peter next week. Get in on the ground floor if you can make it. 7 a.m. next Sunday. 
We just finished 2 Peter. 2 Peter, he reminds us it's all going to burn. Only what is eternal, that's what's going to last. What's eternal? God is eternal. His word is eternal. And also people are eternal as well. And I, I don't know about you. You guys ever like get something new and it gets dinged or gets wrecked? How do you feel? Yes, that was so cool, Lord. Is that what we do? <laughs> Hallelujah. It's amazing. You guys do that? It's a bummer, isn't it? The... The last new surfboard I got, and probably the last one I'll ever have, it got dinged bad. Dinged, I mean, I dropped it, broke the fin box, it got jacked up. And I was reminded, you know, it's going to burn. It's all going to burn. It's okay. Amen? And so, it's all going to burn. And so, in light of that, what should we be investing our lives in? In that which is going to burn or in that which is going to be eternal? eternal. And so the judgments, I, I want to point out as we, before we get into this, the judgments happen incrementally, little by little. Again, God is giving people time. And we are to be good stewards of the earth, aren't we? Are we to be good stewards of the earth? Are we to worship the earth? No. Again, so we see these judgments happen incrementally. Look at verse 7. The first angel blew the trumpet, and what happened? This gnarly mixture right, of, of blood and hail and fire is hurled towards planet Earth. And what are the results? Earth's vegetation was scorched. A third of Earth's trees and all of the green grass is gone. And, you know, there's some people teach uh, Revelation and they say this is what this is, this is what that is. Um, and they make, speculate on what we're seeing here. Listen, I have no clue. I don't want to speculate. I'm just taking what John says. He, again, he's doing his best to describe what he sees. And what does he see? He sees hail, fire, mingled with blood coming down. Again, reminiscent in Egypt. Remember that happened uh, to the Egyptians as well. And also in Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, Genesis chapter 1 it tells us, God's word tells us that after he created dry land, the first thing he brought forth was green grass and trees. Do you know that God's blessed us with grass and trees? But I think how, you know, I'm pretty ungrateful. I take it for granted so often. I, studying this week, talking to Alana, my 10-year-old, it's like, baby, aren't you glad for the grass and trees? The green grass? Not our lawn, but, you know, some of the lawns down around me. <laughs> but listen, when God was making these in the beginning, when he makes the, when he creates, it's not, it's good because, oh, man, look what I did. Look how good I am. It's a blessing for man. Can you imagine God with Adam as he's creating the grass? I can't wait till he feels this grass and lays down on that grass. And that tree, that fruit, I can't wait to see him try that fruit. It wasn't for God's benefit. It was for man's benefit, for our blessing. Do you guys realize that this morning? It shows how awesome and creative and amazing our God is. It testifies to our God, his goodness, his faithfulness, his care in our lives. 
But listen, he creates that stuff for you and for me, for our blessing and for our benefit. And I say, you know what? Thank you, Lord. Because trees and grass, what do they produce? Food, don't they? And fuel and crops and so much more. And this would affect the, the stability of the planet. The soil, the ecological and biological systems would all be jacked up when God just takes his hand off for a moment and notice it's incremental. A third, a third, a third. It's not just one big hammer drop or blast. It's a third, a third, a third, little by little. And so it's supernatural. Verse 8, then the second angel sounded. And something, notice, it, notice the word like, a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And what was the result? A third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. So the second angel blows his trumpet, right? And John, again, does his best to describe. What does he see? He sees something like a great mountain. Some people say a meteor. Some people say a comet. Some people say this is a nuclear exchange that's going on in the results. Some people even say it's a volcano. What do you say, Pastor? You know what I say? Something looked like a giant mountain on fire. (laughs) That That was hurled into the sea. And that's a, that's a lot of destruction. A third of the water, of the oceans, a third of the shipping, boats, shipping industry. In the beginning, God gave us the waters for our blessing and benefit also. Aren't you guys grateful for the ocean? I mean, I know ours is a little... <laughs> a little average. It's, it's cool. It's... Aren't you glad for seafood? Do you know God's blessed us with the seas? It's for our benefit and blessing. What comes out of it? Sailing, surfing, seafood, any other cool S word you can throw along with it. God's blessed us, guys. And what does man do? I don't care about God. I got I to gotta go. I got to get out to the water, man. Get in my boat. And what do we do? We worship the ocean, we worship the sea, we worship everything in it, rather than the one who's blessed us and provided for us. And with this kind of judgment, man, the seafood industry, think about how, much, how many people the seafood industry meets the needs of, many, many people globally. Combined with this type of loss in the shipping industry, that's catastrophic. But it's not complete, it's a third. But whatever hit this planet is supernatural. It's devastating. I mean, think of the splash of a great mountain. You got tsunamis and the dead fish coming up on the shore, and it's just nasty, smells awful. Again, the first plague, remember the first plague in Egypt was the Nile River turned to turned to blood. Again, all of these judgments are measured. It demonstrates God giving people time to repent. Verse 10. Notice what it says. The third angel blew his trumpet. Huge star fell from above. Again, some people say an asteroid, comet, nuclear holocaust. We know it's a huge star on fire. Looked like a torch. Hit a third of Earth's rivers and springs. And notice this star 
has a name. It's identified as, what does it say? Wormwood. And God has named all the stars, hasn't he? That's, the, that's what the book says, Psalm 147. And so the result of wormwood hitting is a third of Earth's water sources. What happened to them? Polluted, poisonous, the water source. So the water sources on planet Earth become contaminated and toxic and then in turn cause all these deaths. And wormwood, by the way, um, it is a real plant. It is, it is bitter. It's poisonous. It is toxic in large amounts with animals and people um, in large doses. In the Old Testament, wormwood speaks of bitterness and sorrow, and it's associated with judgment on people that are in rebellion to God. Heavy. And can I just point out God has blessed us with water? Aren't you grateful for water? When's the last time you said, Lord, thank you for this water? What does water do? It, man, it sustains us. It refreshes us. Do you guys take baths? Showers? Anybody take showers here? You guys like, they're nice, aren't they? You got a pool? Anybody have a, you got, what do you got in the pool? Jello? <laughs> like to go to the pool? There's water in the pool. Thank you, Lord. I mean, I, I'm just confessing here to this morning. I haven't been grateful. I've taken these things for granted. God, thank you for the water you've blessed us with. That we have pure water. There's no wormwood in it. It's not contaminated. The water coming out of our faucets at home, not the greatest water. But it's not bitter and poisonous. God's allowed us to have pure, glorious water. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and the heavens are struck. What's the result? A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. I'm learning now. Thank you, Lord, for that sip of water. What happened? Earth experienced a loss of light and more darkness. Has God blessed us with light? It's a blessing having light, isn't it? Anybody ever been in darkness for a prolonged period of time? It, it's gnarly. When we were in, uh, I think it was in Tennessee, we went into these underground caverns or caves, and the guide, you know, he says, okay, everybody, hang on tight. I'm going to turn the lights out for a second. Like, oh, cool. I wonder what it's like. He turns it out just for a second, and it is weird. It is spooky. It's like you start to lose your equilibrium and balance. Some of you are shaking your heads. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? It's gnarly, man. And remember what happened in the ninth plague in Egypt, three days of darkness, in Egypt, and men were freaking out. And again, the Lord is saying, look it, if you reject me, you reject my son, whom I sent because I love you, it's an eternity of darkness. It's not just a third losing light. It's forever. It's an eternal choice that you're making. And so again, it's a wake-up call for humanity. And the loss of light, what would that do? It would cause radical temperature drops, violent weather conditions, storms also. And so, verse 13, John sees and hears another angel flying through the air in the midst of heaven. Some of your translations may say an eagle rather than an angel. What, is, what does that mean, man? This may be reference to one of those angelic beings that had that member the face of, a, of an eagle. Back in chapter 4, in any event, he's, this, this angel's got the volume turned way up. And what does he say? Whoa, whoa, 
whoa. What does woe mean? What does woe mean? It means look out. Warning. It is an exclamation of horror, of, of grief, of warning, great sorrow, distress, trouble is coming your way. Look out. Do whatever it takes to avoid this from getting you. And we're going to see next week, because that's the last verse, isn't it? Okay, good job. <laughs> we done there? You're going to finish 10 minutes early, Pastor? No way, Jose. Because <laughs> what do we do with this? What is God trying to teach us this morning about him? I think we've learned a few things, haven't we? What does the Lord want? Uh, how does the Lord want us to apply this in our lives this morning? I think there's a few things we've learned this morning. I think number one, as we look at this last verse, number one, I think, who is the woe to? What does it say? What does your Bible say? If you haven't closed it yet. To the inhabitants of the earth. Twelve times we see this reference to earth dwellers or inhabitants of the earth. And it refers to those people that have made earth their home. They've rejected Jesus Christ and they've chosen to live for the things of this earth. Remember Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount. He said, don't worry about those things, what you're going to put in and put on. That's what the heathen live for. What they're going to eat, what they're going to put on. But you, you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. This group of people, they're living for this world. The things of this world, they love their sin. They're dug in. And so um, they know God. They know God, Romans chapter 1. Do you know that everybody knows God? Not personally, but everybody knows God. That's what the book says. But what happens is, what happens with human beings with men and women is what? Is that it says in Romans 1, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. But what? What, what does men do? I mean, think about it. Before you got saved, we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You know what suppress means? A push down. Yeah, that's a good example. You guys ever get in the pool? Remember we talked about the pool earlier? In, your, in, in the pool, you take the, a ball and you push it under the water and you try to hold it down. That's suppressing it because it wants to do what? It wants to come up and pop up. And so you're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. And what do you do? You go beyond suppression and then you begin to substitute things for God. That emptiness in your heart is meant to be filled by the Lord. And you start living for other things and start to worship the things of this earth. No man can serve two masters. And the Lord is doing what? He's calling you, drawing you unto himself. But there's people that are so dug in. Their problem is not intellectual. Their problem isn't a head thing. Their problem is, Jesus told us in John chapter 3, men love darkness rather than light. And I run into atheists quite frequently. And it's like, do you know that God doesn't believe in atheists? Your problem isn't with God. Your problem is you love sin. 
Well, your problem is with God because you love sin. <laughs> That's the issue. Men love darkness rather than light. They're not willing to come to the light. Why? Because their deeds will be exposed. That's the issue. Is we love our sin. We love our darkness. And so these are people that love darkness. And the contrast is with who? With those that are citizens. Are you a citizen of heaven this morning? (laughs) That's what we're living for. That's where we're storing up our treasures. We're not storing up our treasures here on earth. We're storing up in heaven like Jesus told us to, aren't we? Hopefully. We're pilgrims. The Bible says we are, we, we confess that we are sojourners and pilgrims here on earth, just passing through. We're waiting for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's where our citizenship is. It's in heaven. We're waiting for the Son to come get us, to bring us home, to be with Him. So, what should our relationship then to this world look like spiritually? So if that's the case, if we are citizens of heaven, number one, and we're not earth dwellers, we're not dug into this earth, what should be our relationship to this world? Well, Jesus told us, didn't he? We are to be in the world, but not, but not of the world. What does that mean? Here's an easy way for me to remember is contact without contamination. Did you, hear, did you guys catch that? in the world, contact without contamination. There's plenty of stuff out there that will contaminate you, and you guys know, we, you have the Holy Spirit. In the world, but not of it. John wrote, do not love the, the world or the things in the world. If the love of, of the world is in you, the love of the Father is not in you. In fact, he said, I'm gonna read this in John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. He said, do not love the world or the things in the world. This worldly system, with all of its values, with all of its morals, with all of its purposes and directions, that goes against God, that's anti-God, anti-Christ. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. Listen, the world is passing away. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. What is our relationship to be like in relation spiritually to this world? We're to be in the world, but not of it. We're not to love the world or the things of the world. But we should love the people in this world, shouldn't we? For God so loved the world. To have a heart for the lost. To see them rescued. I've said this before. Rescued people rescue people. God used people in our lives, didn't he, to rescue us? Are you guys rescued this morning? We'll have an altar call in a minute. If not, we'll... I mean, listen, there's so many times my heart is so far from the Lord's heart in this. Because I see God, I see vengeance taken, and it's like, oh, yeah, they, they got what's coming to them, man. And it's like, again, God does not delight in the death of the wicked. It's like, pray for me. I'm not there yet. So often, the way people treat one another and hurt one another. Do, do you guys know that we're number one, Houston, in something? Not the AL West, by the way. We are AL West, number one. But we're number one in human trafficking. 
our city. And Tanya was sharing an article with me this past week, and I, and I was so, I maybe it is righteous anger, I don't know. But it's like, God, you want to save that, those creeps? And yet, I forget how much of a creep I was, I am. God. And it's like, there go I, but by the grace of God. And we're reminded in this chapter to pray. You start to pray for people, and what begins to happen, we gain his heart too. Not only does God move, but more often than not, it's in my heart. And, and, and people say, I want to see a move of God, man. We need an awakening. We need a revival. Amen. But do you know that God wants to move in you? In you and through your life and in my life to reach these people that are without Jesus, that are without God, and they're heading off into eternity to hell apart from him. And God wants, God wants to live with them, not without them. It's a mind blower. It's, for me, it's so hard to understand sometimes. And yet, that's his heart. Well, what about our relationship to the physical world? What's our relationship to be to this physical world? The stuff. What about your surfboard, pastor? Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Isn't that true? Did your babies come in with Gucci stuff on? <laughs> and having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Wait a minute, Pastor. What about, what about that surfboard, bro? Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Did you guys catch that? He gives us richly all things. Why? To enjoy. Enjoy that. Whatever he's blessed you with, enjoy it. But don't, please, I, let me, I love you guys, and I'm encouraging you, don't let your possessions possess you. Because they can be gone just like that. Gone. Enjoy them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this sick board, this sick Takayama, with the big ding in the fin. I'm going to enjoy this thing. And I'm going to use it, Lord, for your glory. I'm going to use this at surf camp and share my love of surfing and my love of you, Jesus. I'm going to connect the two and see your kingdom furthered. Oh, I can use those things that God's blessed me with to further? Yeah, absolutely. Instead of going cruising your boat somewhere around a lake by yourself, how about inviting the kids from church who have no dad and minister the gospel to them? Or the young ladies, the young adults. You've been blessed, and I've been blessed. We've been blessed richly. And God's given those things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. Why? that they may lay hold on eternal life. Man, we get to store up those treasures in heaven. 
It will be worth it. Jesus told us to, didn't he? Don't store them up here. Moth, rust, thieves, rip off your stuff. Moths chewed up. You guys ever get moths? They're gnarly. Mothballs. I remember my grandma's house. Moth. She had mothballs. Moths, rust, thieves, wipe it out. But you store up those treasures in heaven. Paul says to Timothy, you are setting, set, you're setting yourself up with a great foundation in the Father's house. That's glorious, isn't it? What a deal. He saves us, rescues us, does a work in and through us, gives us good works to walk in, then rewards us for what he did in and through us. That's not like a good deal. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the water. Thank you for the food. Thank you for the trees. Thank you for the green grass. Thank you for the sun. Thank you for the moon. May we never take those things for granted because they testify to us of his goodness, his grace, his faithfulness, his care in your life and in my life. May we be grateful. A grateful heart is a great, full heart in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. What else can we say?